miss it, Ethan. What, being in person? That and the one clap rule. <laughs> you missed the one clap rule. You introduced it to literally everything. I That's know. not even debate related now. I, I, but I love the whole idea that like the whole group, the whole room, we've all competed against each other, students and coaches, and yet at the end, we all do our one clap to celebrate the winner and, and we move on. I, it's super efficient. It's like one of the largest contributions of the debate world to the real world from it, what I can see. Maybe. I don't know if anybody does it beyond the debate world. I mean, I, but it's still, it's, it, it just doesn't work over Zoom. Oh, it's so disoriented over Zoom. You just hear like 50 claps. It's basically just like an applause. It, it just doesn't work. But we'll, we'll, we'll sort it out this year. Surely there will be some new tradition that, that der- arrives and we'll, we'll uh, figure out how to make a new normal. You know what I bet it's going to be? It's going to be that clap reactions button on Zoom. And instead of anybody clapping, we're all going to be muted and just give a virtual like gold hand clap. Yeah, it's just not the same. Nope. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to What's the Res? My name is Josh Herring. My name is Ethan Delves. And today we are kicking off season three of What's the Res? Oh, this is going to be a good one. Can you believe we made it to three seasons? No, (laughs) I can't. Oh my gosh, this all started like, what, it's been two years? Two years, I mean, two competitive seasons Two competitive seasons. Because it's not like we didn't start this thing in, in July or August. Mm-hmm. We started in February of 2018, that yeah. would have been. My sophomore year. Yeah. Was, yeah, 2000. No, it would have been February of 2019, because yeah. this will be the third February. But, I mean, since then, I've seen two other debate podcasts that started and didn't really make it for very long. And uh, there's been another one that's I've seen uh, started by a couple of small school debaters, uh, that are really interested in circuit debate, but they they keep episodes coming out. But we made it for three seasons. This is kind of insane. Yeah, it's it's been a great journey so far. I think a big part of it was just consistency, like choosing that episode publishing schedule and trying to stick to it as best as possible, holding some in the bank for publishing later was definitely a trick we learned later on that we needed. Uh, Doing two at a time, so two true. episodes in one recording. Yep, yep. Uh, well, Ethan, take us back to this, uh, since we're, we're reflect for a moment on the story of the podcast. Okay. How did we get this thing started? I was sitting at my dad's house one day on a beanbag chair, and I was thinking about how we could get, not necessarily get people more excited about debate, but I guess leverage what we know about debate and spread it to as many people as possible, especially since we have a smaller school with a younger debate program. And we, at the time, we were quite bottom heavy on the debate program with a ton of novices and even middle schoolers, a ton of middle schoolers in that club that were interested in getting their debate journey started but didn't really know what to do or where to go for the the simple fundamentals of debate outside of a one-week club. And I think that I wanted to start the podcast to help boost those kids up and help them just get a leg up on competition going into like dogwood tournaments and Coolidge tournaments and just giving them something to go off of so they didn't go in just empty-handed. Yeah, I remember you 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 told me you wanted to get more people involved yeah. and I think we talked about three or four ideas but the podcast seemed like it was feasible. Mm-hmm. I mean it was dirt cheap to get into this thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we had that original setup where we it took us like 20 minutes to set up mic stands. And yeah, I have the picture of the first day still. Yep. It's on my phone. Yep. Uh, and at that point, like we it, it was really, we always had to balance our schedules with Noah's as well because we hadn't yet figured out how to transfer files pretty easily. Uh, but we, we figured out a lot of things between then and now. I mean, it's it's kind of nuts. Our, our first mic setup was so iconic because it had these huge poles that we would like screw onto the desk with like a clamp and it had the pop filter to, yep. for all those like 
moments on the mic. We don't have that anymore. Now we just have this little USB plug-in. Yep. And, and we can record pretty much anytime, any place, as I long know, as we've got yeah. a relatively quiet room. And, uh, and it's easy enough to send the file over. Noah cleans it up a little bit, puts some beats on it, and we're ready to go. I know. Isn't it nice to just have a, someone who knows how to produce beats on the fly like that? And he and there's the ACs going right now. I'm not even worried because if yeah. he puts a noise gate on it, we'll be just fine. Yep. It'll, he'll, he'll clean it up. Our, our audience won't even notice. Uh, yeah. It's kind of crazy. I mean, now, let's think for a moment about, like, what – so uh, start us off on this. What, what have you learned about podcasting and debate? through doing this. I want to think about okay. that one too, but start us off. What, what have you learned about all of this through podcasting? I've, okay. So to start with podcasting, there is one of the essentials that I take away is there is a balance between a free flowing conversation and needing structure. Like you can, a regular conversation fits on something like maybe the Joe Rogan podcast where you have three hour episodes and, um, and you're bringing on like experts in pretty much every field that you can imagine. Or but, doing episodes where it's not so much about the experts, but rather, like, you, you know what Joe Rogan's most listened to podcast is? What? The one where he smokes a joint with someone with, with Elon, Elon Musk, Musk on <laughs> the show. <laughs> like, but no, we're not going to do that. Like, no. that. That doesn't fit what our show is, that's for sure. But we, there, I think both of us learned, you could attest to this too, is that there's, you need structure for a podcast, you need a direction, a small outline of where you're going, but there's definitely something to letting a conversation flow freely, especially when you're doing interviews with experts. Like it's okay to go down a couple of rabbit holes and examine an idea closer, and and as long as you stay on track overall, I think learning to properly balance structure and free flow is really important. Which is especially when you've got a guest on the show. I mean, you never quite know where those conversations are going to go. And I find it's pretty helpful to have an end goal in mind. And usually, I'll do enough background research on the guest that I sort of know what topics that person is able to talk about, and we'll steer a direction back towards one of those. Uh, I know I've I've been on I went on one other podcast where the host hated the idea of structure. Mm. And yeah, I know you oh, told me about it that. It was so irritating. I couldn't figure out what the point of anything we were talking about was. That was a whole was. evening for you, wasn't it? Well, that guy, his episode length was like two hours. And I was like, dude, no one wants to listen to this. So maybe people do, but I, I, I agree with you about the, the you've got to have that ebb and flow. Uh, because that's one thing you pushed me on was making this more conversational. Mm. And I think that keeps our listeners engaged in what we're doing, too. Yeah. And another thing is, uh, which I guess could kind of fit into debate as well is you don't always need to be right about everything mm -hmm. and actually I'll rephrase that there's no way to be right about everything and that I think that applies more to or I was about to say more to debate but honestly everything we talk about on the podcast is debate related we can't be right about everything so like and now at this point if I say something dumb on the podcast I know it's going to get downloaded by people in Russia and the UK like you were telling me earlier and like Wales and all these places that we have listeners from and it's just going to be that way. Like it's, yep. it's basically just, I'm getting something wrong just as everyone else does. It's just that it's going to be broadcasted to a slightly larger audience. Well, it requires, I mean, doing this requires at least a, a little bit of humility because mm -hmm. you kind of have to just recognize at one point, one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to say dumb things or uh, someone is going to download random clips of what we've said and smash them all together <laughs> into dumb things, whether we actually said them or not. We've had both on this show. I have. I know. I know the people who have done that personally are not listening to this episode right now. I'd highly doubt it. But if you are, I know exactly who you are. And I've. And they've. They made this really funny clip of you saying that you're in the NFL. 
and it had a beat over it, and it was perfectly synchronized with the beat. That was hilarious. Well, I know there's that, and uh, I don't. You you never got really you never got tired of the uh, recommend tenders. I think was the line from our first episode. <laughs> no, that wasn't the that oh, wasn't the first? the first one. That was at least ten. I think ten. Somewhere around in the first 10. season. Yes. was that line, and I meant to say recommendation. But you said but it recommend just did tenders. Not come out <laughs> I right. Thought, I was like, you just been to PDQ or something because something right. was on your mind. So we've now produced over 120 episodes. We just crossed 15,000 downloads. We've had listeners in over 50 different countries, and we've had people, I think, from every state in the union uh, listening to our show. Uh, we've done episodes on local resolutions, regional, national circuits, uh, competition, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Ethan, do you have any favorite episodes that we've done? Um, the truth is the cornerstone of society one number 12. I'll never forget that one. Cause I was, um, that I woke up at like 6am, I think it was an early one and it was on FaceTime or Google Hangouts or something. And you called me over break and I was, I was rushing to read that article that you sent me. Like, look, this was also not even close to my best episode. Cause I barely understood anything that you sent me. And I, I was, that was the Jordan Peterson episode. No, we talked about Peterson a lot on that episode. Did we do, we did it on some other, it was on something else though. We read some article oh, for it. But that I reminds me. That was me. where you were like talking about 12 rules for life and lots of Jordan Peterson's life advice. I think that flows into a lot of episodes we've done, but <laughs> it, it was either, I'm pretty sure number 12. I just okay. know I like that one. It has the word truth in the title. I liked that. Our analysis on the Peterson-Zizak debate was awful. It was just epic. Oh, that was so much fun. It was fun, but watching the debate was even cooler. Like, right beforehand, I was on the floor. I had at least seven pages of notes on that thing. Like, that was such a good episode. What's one of your favorites? Oh, man. We've done so many now. I, I don't know. The Zizak-Peterson was a lot of fun. I honestly, I've enjoyed meeting lots of people in order to do this. I think if I had to pick a favorite, I'd actually pick a pairing because mm -hmm. um, it showed me different sides of the debate world that uh, I don't naturally gravitate towards. Uh, uh, the first one I'm thinking of is the episode with Crawford. Right. With, uh, we got, uh, it was kind of after uh, going to the Harvard tournament showed me a whole new side of what national circuit competition could be. And then getting to really interview him about being a coach and the program he's developed was really cool. But then uh, I think it was a month later, I did an episode with Adam Jacoby that was really one where uh, in, in that episode, I think you liked it a lot because I remember having you listen to the file before we mm -hmm. posted it because I wasn't sure... I, I felt like we were very much at odds with what our vision of debate was and yes. what debate should do. But doing that episode, like I felt slightly, it was the only interview I've done where I felt slightly tense mm -hmm. about what I was interviewing the guest on and kind of, and trying to figure out how do I politely respond to what the guest has said and yet indicate that I'm really not completely in agreement there. Having to navigate that uh, was really interesting. And I think it, it forced me to, kind of wrestle with a lot more of what was going on in the debate world. So that was a stressful episode to make, I imagine, like uh, trying to res respectfully structure your responses and your questions in a way that doesn't look like you're trying to corner him on your show, but in that you're genuinely trying to find out what he believes about debate. Exactly. Uh, but doing all of that forced me to have a, it, it forced me to kind of wrestle with a more complex view of the activity as a whole. Mm -hmm. Uh, so really, I think that's one of my favorite parts of doing this is how much it's allowed 
me to really see there's all these different facets and people bring all their, these different purposes and they find debate helpful in a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, it's not just that, ha, you agree with me on X, so therefore you love debate. We actually have a whole bunch of reasons why we love debate. I also love the fact that we've gotten to meet so many different people. Yeah, that's been an, that's been an amazing part of this entire thing. Uh, I was looking back at season two. I mean, uh, season two had, I think, 50-something episodes before we did summers, summer episodes. If we include summer, we're up at right about 60 episodes total in season two, which is kind of close to what I was hoping we would get. I was aiming for 84 episodes in season two. Wow. Which was way too ambitious. Uh, but we've, we've had a ton of visitors on this show. Uh, I know we're both looking at the list. Anybody in particular from the list that strikes you as uh, we, we should mention? Um, so I just really enjoyed the episode with Nick Higgins, mm -hmm. getting to meet him. He's a super cool guy. And his view on that was about the protests that mm -hmm. we were one of the many things we asked him about. Super cool perspective on that. Um, Robert Roberto Salinas. Awesome episode. That was really cool. Um, he had a lot of really good information for whatever resolution we were asking about at the uh, time. Was it, was it a resolution? or we It was a resolution, but it was also... I'd have to go back and look at the title. I think that was... that was It had to have been a resolution because it was our first episode kicking off season two. Right. And I remember he we interviewed him when he was in Mexico City. So that was our very first international interview. Right, yeah. And I think it would be... It would be inappropriate to leave Patrick Denialist off the list. <laughs> oh, he, he's on the list. Yeah, he's, I know. Uh, but like, he's, he's letter H. Because I know oh, yes, viewers yes. can't see the outline. That's true. Those episodes were awesome. <laughs> and they went long and we had no structure whatsoever. And I think we both ended up buying Being in Nothingness and not getting past the translator's note in the beginning I, for the, our next episode. I, pretty much. We never, we never actually did anything with that. And uh, at this point, I don't know that we will, but maybe we'll get back to that someday. We yeah, have a, that was cool. And Patrick, we were interviewing, he was somewhere, he lives in London, right? Or is he just somewhere generally I in the I believe he's in London. I think he's but in London. But I think it's London City. There's a difference between London and London City is what oh. he was telling me. Okay. Uh, oh, good. Oh, we had, um, where, where is Dr. Spaulding from? Or where, where was he when you interviewed him? Because Oh, man. I remember you landed that one. Like, you yeah. reached out to him off of a random think tank. It was a Washington, it, it may have been Washington Post. It may okay. have been uh, some, yeah, it may have been a think tank. I don't know. I don't remember where he was, but I do remember that that was for nuclear arsenals for yep. LD. And I read his article. It was no, was it? Yes, I, I believe it was for nuclear arsenals. And he had had this really great article, just laying out exact like these exact numbers of I don't know. It was just a very data heavy sort uh -huh. of thing. And I was like, we've got to get this guy on. Like he obviously could impact that out a little bit for us and tell us, like, help us connect what it means to yep. the evidence that he provides. It still amazes me how many times one of us has reached out to a random person. Not so much like a direct connection, but uh, do you remember Dr. Aldi from Harvard? Yes. I oh mean, my gosh. That was insane. I was nervous yeah. in that call. I was, was a little so nervous. Great. Well, he was the, uh, he was just ridiculously kind. And I think it was after we had done about 45 minutes of an episode that he told us he was a former LDer. And something's like, oh, this is why he said yes, because it was his way of giving back to the community. And he had said he already had debaters email him before with these questions. I'm like, look, why don't we just ask them all on, the, on this podcast episode? <laughs> That's so great. We had uh, Annalicia Vamonde Stoles uh, mm -hmm. helping us with the Venezuela resolution, yes. with kind of the insider's take on here's what the, the Venezuelan government looks like. Uh, let's see. We had Paul Mueller from King's College in New York. Mm -hmm. He's come on a couple times, I think. No, he just he's only been on once. Uh, 
he did an episode with me about uh, the COVID and the econ- and economics pretty early on in all of that. And Nathan Orlando, he he was so helpful for the nuclear arsenals one. Mm-hmm. He laid it out great. I, I love that episode. There, there's something about being able to listen to the person who has read everything on a topic. Yeah. And uh, that that I, I didn't know it when I asked him, but that was one of his areas of interest for his dissertation. So he had read very very thoroughly on that. Uh, oh, I, I, we can't forget, uh, I think our second most popular episode is uh, from this season is the one I did with Bob Luddy. When right. He came on and uh, talked about debate and economics and all kinds of stuff. I know he wants to come back and do an episode on international economics, so we need to make that happen oh, this yeah. season. Oh, yeah, and I remember that episode, the introduction beat is my favorite beat on any of the episodes that we have. So if you want to go if you want to go listen to it, I don't know the number, but it says interview with Bob Luddy on yep. it. That was, Noah actually made that beat at Coolidge. Did he? Yeah, he was making it. It was like 10 p.m. at night, and he was like, what do you think of this? And then I said, add a cow noise, and then we, <laughs> we ended up not doing that. And we were just add messing around with everything. Add a cow noise? Thing. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Noah makes all sorts of stuff. Hey, you know, that's that's wonderful. He's uh, he started doing some others for a different podcast too, because uh, he's been helping me with the uh, developing classical thinkers podcast right. for school, and he's done beats for for those uh, for a while now. Okay, but we've had lots of guests uh, in season two. I'm sure we'll have lots of guests in season three. Uh, Ethan, what kind of episodes are we going to end up doing in season three? A lot of technique, advice, and resolution analysis episodes. Um, Because I know we both have a lot tighter schedules now. We're going to try to get the most important stuff out first. Mm -hmm. And anything else that we can do, we'll do. But I know, especially for you, have tons of new responsibilities that you didn't have last year, that were, you were trickling into last year. So your time is extremely limited. And let me just put, let me like actually just put this out there. The, the vast majority of names on this list you had to interview because I was doing something. And you completely carried. Like for season two, you had so many interviews. It was at least one or two a week where we needed an interview to go with a resolution and you could come through for it. And I know now I, I want to help relieve some of that burden because you need... To, I mean, you could list off your responsibilities if you want. You have a, a ton of new responsibilities. I have a, some more to take on, but it's just another year of high school for me, pretty much. Well, see, you say that, but uh, hopefully you'll agree with me that senior year is a little bit special. It's a, yes, it's a culmination. It uh, it's not junior year in terms of difficulty, and I think you'll find there are going to be more seasons where you have less things going on than there were in junior year. Especially as we get closer to graduation, like your your right. classes will sort of taper off, uh, but it, it's not a joke either. Nope. And I uh, don't realize that don't don't catch senioritis too early is my usual advice to, to seniors because they they typically start the year with senioritis and then flunk their first test to realize, dang, I haven't graduated yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not catching senioritis. I'm, I'm just going to try to avoid senioritis and COVID altogether. That's and the, the, those are both great goals. But you're, you are right about my schedule, too, because uh, this year the biggest thing is uh, on my end is being a dean of students. And uh, I'm taking on a lot of our college advising uh, and then overseeing extracurriculars and clubs. And uh, my goal in that role is to really help our – I want our students to be proud of graduating from Thales Academy and helping that to be a positive thing for them. Which is not always, I think we've always wanted that for our school, but we have not always been able to, we've not always had that happen. And that's not necessarily something you can necessarily do action A to get Mm. result B. 
But I think it is something we can move towards. But I'm also teaching philosophy. I'm also coaching our, our program. And senior thesis coaching or advising. Uh, yeah, and advising well. four, yeah. four folks on senior thesis, including you. Right. Uh, so hopefully you'll be, uh, uh, you'll be an expert on something by the end of the year. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, all that to mean, uh, one, one of the things that we'll be doing this year, uh, we'll, we'll still be doing a lot of our same type of episodes, but uh, long-term listeners, assuming that we have to have some long-term listeners, because we do manage to have between 60 and 100 listens per episode, and they do usually trickle up to about 100 over the course, or about, two, over, to about 200 over the course of a year. Uh, long-term listeners, you probably should just be aware that we will be a little less regular with episode posting this year. Uh, we are still uh, committed, as Ethan mentioned. We'll do the occasional technique or advice show. Uh, we will do resolution analysis episodes within one week of resolutions being released by the NSDA or by the Coolidge Foundation or a new one we found last year, the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation. They also have a debate program that has both a regional and a nationals uh, resolution. So we'll do episodes on those this year, hopefully. But uh, those will really be, we'll, we'll be looking to do kind of one primary one on there. And if we can get to it, we will also do expert interviews that supplement our analysis. Uh, we'll get some topic experts in on that. I also would love for us to continue interviewing leaders in the debate community. Uh, I've got two of those that are lined up. We just need to find the right date. Uh, so if uh, anybody listening in the North Carolina circuit, uh, you hopefully know Michelle Boswell. She is the uh, head of the program at Cumberland Polytechnic. Uh, she also is the director of the Dogwood Speech and Debate League. Uh, she's agreed to come on and do an episode and talk about her story in this. I'd also, I've also got sort of agreement from some of the folks from the Reagan Foundation to come on and do an episode. But all that to say, uh, we are probably going to be slowing down our frequency of posting. We're, we've been trying, we tried at the beginning of season two, I set us a ridiculous pace. I mean, at the time we were trying to, you remember we were doing three episodes a week? Yeah. <laughs> we about died. But part of that appeals to me still. Like part of, you know, know. you know I always bite off more than I can you chew. Do. And then sometimes I pull through at the last minute and then sometimes it's like, uh-oh. It's like, oh, I, I, and I, I tend to do the same thing. I tend to overcommit and I sort of just hope that everyone's okay when things slip through the cracks because I'm like, I accepted like 15 responsibilities. You should just know that I'm going to drop one of them. Well, in all honesty, we're a lot alike in that. We in probably that are, but we shouldn't do that. We, we should rather just, we should, uh, as the, the, the Gospels put it, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Oh, yeah, that was in the Sermon on the Mount, too. Yep. I remember reading that. Yep. I think that's a, I think uh, really hitting those, specifically committing to those resolution episodes and trying to, uh, Trying to hit some of those other ones when time permits and occasion permits, uh, we, we can definitely do that. That's achievable. So long-term listeners, uh, we're still in for this. We're still going to make season three, but it's probably going to be a more limited season three. I suspect we'll be more in the uh, somewhere between 20 to 40 episodes this year instead of 40 to 80 episodes this year. <laughs> Again, that sounds like a challenge, but... Like not not like challenging as in like bet like I think we could do more than that but uh, we're gonna be conservative if we can, with the estimate. that's yeah. great but at least then we will be surpassing our expectations for ourselves right uh, okay oh I did also want to mention just in case I I don't know why any new listeners would listen to this kickoff episode since we've been more 
If, uh, if we were going to spend hours editing this, we could make this a clips episode and like mm-hmm. insert things from others, but we're not going to do that. Uh, if there are any new, ep- new listeners, particularly any novices for the 2020-2021 season, uh, just do know that we have made a lot of episodes that are intended for novices. Uh, so if you go through our back catalog, you'll find uh, we have episodes dealing with argument structure on the claim warrant impact episode. Uh, we have we do a lot of Lincoln-Douglas paradigm episodes. We've got episodes on every major style of debate, kind of defining it as a genre of debate and what's unique about it. Uh, I remember we did a definitions episode, Once Upon yep. a Time. Oh, man. Was, Good days. That was, yep. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. And so with that, uh, let's kind of start wrapping this episode up. Uh, so, Ethan, what are you most excited about for the 2020-2021 competitive year? Getting off of Zoom calls. And honestly, the some of the things from junior year were so exciting to me that I want to have those experiences and more of them. Like, it would be amazing to go back to Harvard and in person or, or some large travel tournament. It would be awesome for senior year. And it's understandable if it can't happen. But And at least I already got to go in junior year, you know? But that was just so cool. That was such a cool trip and such a cool experience. I would love to do that again. I'm disappointed that Yale probably is not going to happen. It's um, online of, at this point. Off of um, Zoom calls or whatever they're going to do it on. So I was looking forward to that, but it's not, well, not going to happen. So I still have my fingers crossed for Harvard. Um, I'm super excited for Cavalier, although is that online? That's online. I'm still excited because that's a good tournament. It, again, disappointed that it's online, but I think everyone else probably is as well, unless people like being in the comfort of their own home, but then you get Wi-Fi problems and it, that messes with things. But like I did today where I just completely exited school for like an hour and had oh. nothing to do. By the time you got to debate, your Wi-Fi was working. Yeah, that's all that matters, right? <laughs> But, um, yeah, so super excited for Cavalier Tournament and super excited for Harvard, be they in person or online. And I also, as sort of my one of my ending notes, after I go to college, I still want to do What's the Res. I still want to do resolution analysis and interviews, paradigm episodes. Like, I helped start this, and I don't want to leave it when I leave, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, you're, you're officially on the record saying that, so now I, I won't hold Bind you me to, to it. Bind I, it. Well, no, I won't hold you to it. I mean, we'll have to, I, I have had in my mind that we will have to have that very clear conversation at the end of this year. That's so sad. Don't put it like that. Well, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, if, 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 we want, if you want to keep it going, we can do that. If, if What's the Res has a natural life cycle that ends at your senior year, it is much better to just put a stake in it and kill this thing than to let it limp along. Oh, my along. gosh. Yeah, when, when I say don't put things so harshly and you just go to down the real aggressive route, here's yeah. what I'm saying is that season one we were both super active and we saw our, our, some of our largest growth near the end of season one, beginning of season mm-hmm. two. Season two, you carried hard because it was junior year, and I was like, oh my gosh, what happened to my life? This isn't the first half of high school anymore. And I made it onto all the resolution analysis I made it on. It's a couple extra interviews. I managed to get a couple of my solo episodes in. But I want my commitment to season three to look a lot different than it did to season two. I want to be consistent in appearance on episodes and make sure that I keep my mind sharp by talking about these things um, and and my understanding of resolutions and what the experts are saying, I want to stay in the loop and give it a solid commitment for senior year. I want to be on most of the episodes and and keep to that. Excellent. I think those are all great goals. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll save my uh, Stranger Things analogy about, uh, if, and, and maybe whether or not we should continue this post your high school graduation 
for the end of this season, and we'll we'll, we'll just I hope leave you remember. That. I hope so too. I might not, but I probably will. I, I like that analogy. You know, I'm hoping this year. I I'm very excited about uh, some of our new novices. We've got some great novices in the class. Uh, some people who seem like they have a natural disposition for evidence-driven argumentation. So I think that's going to be really good. I'm also thrilled that both you and another one of our seniors, Savannah, are in your senior year and are sticking with this. Uh, we, we've had uh, uh, some changes from who I thought would make up our senior com uh, debate team. But you and Savannah are both there, which I'm thrilled about. Uh, I, honestly, I, I know you're you're ready to be done with Zoom, which is the, very understandable. I'm honestly kind of excited about online competition because it helps us in a couple ways. There are a, there are a couple other possibilities that we can explore. Uh, really, there's three. I haven't told anybody on our team about the third one yet this year, but uh, I want to see what the what actually shows up in tournament invitations. But in our area, Public Forum and Lincoln Douglas are the two debate styles that everyone does. No one does policy, no one does worlds, no one does parliamentary debate. Uh, we really could, com we could compete via Zoom or NSDA's campus platform or uh, whatever platform the tournament happens on. We can compete at all kinds of tournaments in a bunch of different events that we've never done before. Uh, I also think we can, Last year, we were rather limited by logistics to one really big tournament. It was the Harvard tournament. This year, we can compete in a few really big tournaments, and the cost is lower than it would be if we were going, uh, if we were actually flying and lodging and all those things. Now, of course, we don't get to eat dinner together. We don't get to do the planes together. We don't get crazy pictures together. There's all kinds of things we're missing out. It does up our possibility of actually being at more tournaments, which is rather interesting. Uh, so uh, I, I, I'm with you. I really hope Harvard happens in person. I would love for us to go back and actually know the lay of the land this time. I felt like I was always in danger of getting lost. And fortunately, we had Mr. Cynical around to uh, figure out why my phone wasn't working and, and get oh my the gosh, the signal. And, the, and in that elementary school where I was debating for those days, Ooh. the staircases. I was walking like three flights just to get to my room. It was probably the best exercise I got all of February. Uh, so... All that to say, listeners, uh, it's going to be a great year. We are kind of excited about what's coming ahead. Uh, the resolutions the NSDA has already published are looking really interesting. So uh, we hope all NSDA members are voting for your preferred resolution in the voting cycles each month. And we'll look forward to uh, being with you throughout the year. I'm excited. Until next time, work hard, speak well, and see the truth.